swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we investigate the truthfulness of movies, included in the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. <laughs> time. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're discussing another film on this illustrious list. A movie that united many universes to defeat a common enemy, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was directed by Bob Perchetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. However, that works. And it was released on December 16th, 1918, my birthday. Starring our voices of Oscar Isaac, Nicolas Cage, and Katherine Hahn. Before we get into the story, could you take the stand and answer the question, what makes you happy? It's cheesy. Life, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good lately, so I'm just kind of happy that everything is, is going fairly well. It's a new year coming up, right? So that's all good. Seeing some family and, and all that. Nothing in particular... It's like tickling my fancy right now, but feeling good, and that's good. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Enough. How about yourself? Yeah, it's with, uh, you know, 2024, the, we're going to take in the, uh, the Uh We're going to take in the calm right now before the rumbunctiousness of the year rolls in. Yeah. I think I'm going to just appreciate the now before it gets all crazy towards the end of the year, so... I know. Yep. Let's let's enjoy this, and by sure. enjoying this, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. How are you doing? Like, what what's what's good in your world? Well, what's good in my world? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's generally, you know, I, first of all, I enjoy doing this podcast because I get to see films. I mean, the last episode we did was uh was surprisingly good it's always good when you watch a movie that you don't expect to be good and mm-hmm. you watch it and you go all right this movie is timeless so one of the things that i've always i've really appreciated about this conversations is the fact that i get to see some films that you know i probably would have passed on um normally um and you know it's always good to have a family that supports and it's good to have a kid who wakes you up at 4 a.m. and looks you directly in the eye and goes, Dada. Aww. Dada. And you're like, wait, what the heck is going on? And then she just laughs. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. Um, but you know, I'm 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 appreciative of the little moments. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic to hear. And yeah, I, I share your sentiment of it's amazing that, you know, we have this this project and it's kind of leading us through a curated list of movies that are revered right that's and it's amazing like a lot of these movies we've seen but there's also these movies that we haven't and it's always interesting to figure out why do people like this or do i like this right so um yeah it's it's a great great experience i'm happy we're doing and it's not all the movies we like to be fair oh yeah um, but I think more often than not, we get to say we enjoyed the film. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Oh, um, a movie I've seen that's not on the list. I doubt it's on the list. Is uh, the Wicker Man, the seventy-three, mm. not the Nicolas Cage one, <laughs> not the bees one. Um, okay. Great film. Great, great film. Uh, highly recommend. That's awesome. I am. Um, 
I'm looking forward to Shogun, which is starting in February. Mm-hmm. I watched the original 1970s version. I read the book after I watched the show. And I am a, I'm a big fan of the series. So I'm really looking forward to what Hulu can do with Shogun. I, I think that it's going to be quite interesting. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hulu. We just recently signed up for Hulu and um, watched The Bear. The Bear is great. And uh, started Handmaid's Tale. And that's sufficiently depressing. <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, what's not depressing, I don't think, is a synopsis. Mm. So let's go there. <laughs> All right. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse follows teenager Miles Morales, who acquires spider-like powers and must navigate the challenges of being a new Spider-Man in this universe. When a powerful device opens up dimensional gateways, Miles discovers other versions of Spider-People from alternate realities, including Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, and Spider-Ham. Tasked with stopping the villainous Kingpin from destroying the multiverse, this diverse group of web-slingers must join forces. Miles grapples with self-discovery and the responsibilities of being a hero, learning that anyone can wear the mask. With breathtaking animation, compelling storyline, and the celebration of the Spider-Man legacy, the film captivates audiences with its fresh take on the iconic superhero. And we're back. So, um... Before we figure out who's uh, speaking for which uh, multiverse here, yeah. uh, we need to we need to um, toss a coin. Okay. So how are we doing that? What, what? I'm gonna go with tails. Tails. It's a new year. Let's turn a new heads. year. I should heads. have gone with heads. <laughs> I should have gone with heads. Stick with what you know. Stick with what right. you know. <laughs> all right go for it uh, i'm gonna speak for this movie all right so i'm gonna go with the indemnable task of speaking against this movie and the witness will address this court as judge or your honor ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen spider-man across the spider-verse is a is a is a, is a coming of age tale about a young youth um coming to terms with family um, and understanding the weight of being Spider-Man through, um, um, what do you call it, through some incredibly difficult um, introduction. Um, I will say that one of the things that you could say as as something you would consider against this movie, especially um, given the fact that um given the fact that towards the end of the film you understand what the stakes of the film are is the fact that we meet um Gwen uh at the very beginning and there's no sign whatsoever that she is um going through the time uh time slipping i'm going to use the lucky term for that to try to explain the time slipping i think that that works particularly so they're going through tri- time slipping um and she goes through the whole school period um, and there's no sign that, you know, she's going through time slipping. Towards the end of the film, we begin to see the time slipping becoming more consistent 
and we begin to see them experience it. But the the weight of the time slipping is inconsistent too, because as they are flying through the building, they're time slipping, but they, they, it has no effect on them. They're just flying through the air, no problem. But then they're in a fight scene, um, and the time slipping occurs, and they're missing their swings, falling to the ground, and all of those scenarios. So there's an inconsistency. And I think that the inconsistency is based on whether they want to tell a story or not of how the time slipping affects the Spider-Man. So in a movie like this, they're using inconvenient tropes to try to solve the problem um, of a plot. They're trying to solve the plot problem um, using inconvenience, uh, convenient uh, tropes. Another thing that I will say is while this movie is really, really good, watching it again makes me realize that the soundtrack of this film sort of supersedes or... For every scene that we hear the music, I feel like the soundtrack takes away from the film. Like the soundtrack is so good that sometimes it takes away from what we're actually seeing on the film. Like when the Biggie song comes on, I find myself going, oh man, that's that's a track, that's a jam. It distracted me from actually what they're trying to show on the movie. Um, this is very strong nitpicks, um, but you know, these are these are things that we're gonna go with today. All right. Okay. All right. So into the Spider Verse, across the Spider Verse, into the Spider Verse. The thing that stood out for this movie, you brought up the music, is um, the music, but also the um, amazing way it's weaved in and it's. Uh, it's weaved in to tell a story, but it's also weaved in to ground uh, the characters and to ground the story itself and to level the um, kind of playing field in terms of where we are, which reality we're in or which which timeline we're in or which, which universe we're in. Um, because it is weaving in uh, what we know already. So it's our world. It's our timeline. This is our Spider-Man. Um, that's brilliant. Uh, I, this is a movie that I felt like was so true to culture and uh, giving us uh, little tidbits here and there of, of you know, real family dynamics um, and, and kind of complicated family dynamics of, like, expectations on kids and, and you know, we want good for you because we want to set you up and all that um yada 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 you you have to do you have to go to this fancy school because it's got like all all those kind of dynamics um complicated family relationships with the brothers um but everything is kind of um combined and grounded and rooted through the music and kind of the the culture and the culture of, of um graffiti and all that and it, it just works so brilliantly together because it, it just tells you so much without having to spell it out uh, i think that's that's one of the big big strong suits of this um what is interesting to me watching this again was the this is an oregon story of miles morales of spider-man but he gets his um kind of self-introduction thing um, that they do over and over in this film um, at the last, right? Because uh, 
and I thought that was brilliant because we see him. He's the one that we see the story play out with. He gets bitten and all that. We've we've heard the story of all the other Spider-Mans from the other um, timelines, realities. Um, they kind of went through them very quickly. Um, and the story is basically always the same. But with Miles Morales, we go through it um, as he experiences it. And you would think that seeing the same story like seven times is not that intriguing but they made it work and uh, that's that's a big big um plus on my book um and that he's the last that does the introduction of himself it was like okay one more time you know my name is um i got bit by a spider um it works because that's when he found his footing and that's when he's confident in his abilities and, and who he is and like i said it's a coming of age story um combined with superhero dumb and um, a very great twist on the Spider-Man and kind of the multiverse um, idea. So, fantastic movie. You know, it's interesting um, that I think one of the main points that I was trying to make at the very beginning was the plot point situation. Um. And I think that if you had looked at the very beginning when um, Kingpin hit Spider-Man on the ground and he died, um, you could say, hey, you know, why didn't um, Miles Morales suffer the same fate given the scenario? Um, I, I think that there's a strong argument to go, all right, what's, what's going on here? Why, why didn't Miles Morales suffer the concussion or the death scenario after hitting, getting hit directly in the chest, just like Spider-Man did, you know? And his dad was watching the whole fight from the room, and there was a massive nuclear explosion, and his dad survives that too. And they have a conversation after. That's, that explosion kills Spider-Man at the very beginning, Right. They, he experiences the explosion, he falls down, and then, you know, this guy comes and hits him in the chest, and he dies. You know, Miles Morales' dad, no superpowers whatsoever, was in the room where it was happening, um, and no consequences whatsoever to him. Um, I also felt like, you know, uh, Spider-Ham was, 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 was quite, was there for the laughs, which kind of distracted from a serious story. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, there is humor involved, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, does it actually, um, does it, what does it add to the story Spider-Ham? You know, is it just the humor? Um, there's no plot point that he improves on, nothing whatsoever. He's just there for the humor. Um, but I also feel like we already had a lot of humor in the film. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that that was necessary. Penny Parker was also quite inconsistent. The, you know, everybody was bit by Spider-Man. Was she really Spider-Man if she's just walking around in a robot suit? Um, she never had a mask on. She never hid her identity. She was a totally different trope uh basically an iron man uh in a spider suit um and the spider was doing hip-hop dances with her jumping up and down 
going on her chest. Why didn't the spider just bite her? So she has psychic abilities, but you know, I don't know. Um, did she also take a robotic suit with her? Did she leave it behind? Very interesting question. Uh, the reason the reason why it's interesting is because um, she dips her head. You know, when Peter Parker dips her head into the time warp. Um, it generally picks out people who've been bitten by a spider. She was never bitten. She just has a a brain fusion with the spider and they can communicate um, using psychic energy. Um, So it's like, all right, well, that is different. Um, Everybody else was bit by the spider. And and I think the the movie tries to say like, hey, anybody can be Spider-Man. So if that is the case, then why didn't they just bring poor old Wolverine from the other universe and bring him in and say, hey, he's Spider-Man too. So the plot points um, in this movie that feel like they're just plot points for the for the sake of plot points. The um, Spider-Ham being humorous, Penny Parker, I'm not entirely sure she's a Spider-Man, but who knows, you know. And if she's a Spider-Man, then anybody can be a Spider-Man. And I think if that's what the story is trying to do, which is what they said they were trying to do, then I don't think that the people who who should be brought in from those universes should be limited to just Spider-Man. Um, and if, it, if that is the case, shouldn't there have been more random people, you know, going through the world, time-splitting, uh, you know, it, it's 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 an interesting plot hole when you think about it, and you can go and you can continue to peel the lemons and keep going down. Uh, but I think I'm just gonna stay at this level, uh, and get what your perspective is. I think they so you brought up you brought up that uh, why are why why are there only Spider Men that make it through that that portal thing, right? Um. They explain that because they have that first fight, um, and the, the first time that the thing is going on, and then um, like the um, the handsome Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, the blonde Spider-Man, kind of goes into the the beam, and I think that's what triggers kind of the the split into whatever. Because in the second fight, they try to do the same with hair of um, of Kingpin's family, right? So to to get them back. Or get copies of them back. So I think it's kind of a weird kind of replication clone DNA. Watch them call it right. That's kind of the, the explanation they give here. Um, the reason why I think it's brilliant uh, to have these uh, varied versions of Spider-Man is because the story of Spider-Man has been told so many times, and always with a little bit different flavor and kind of focus on on different things. And I think the the brilliance of bringing all of them together is probably the most fan service you could do for a character um, that you can do uh, for people of like all different kind of experiences with the character, and that's 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 pretty great. I think there's a lot of fan service here. It's a little worse, or not worse, but it, it's. There's a lot more in the second movie of this uh, series, um, but it's it's great because people know the character, people know different backgrounds. And I would think that um, 
the one that you mentioned with the robot, uh, there's probably a pre-existing story there as well that it draws from. And if not, it's kind of an interesting take on on the same story, right? Like the the fascinating thing is that the the background or the the, the framework of Spider-Man rarely changes a lot. There's like certain story beats that always happen in some shape or form, right? Like the spiders always involved. Um, but then how it plays out and, and kind of what what kind of Spider-Man it, it's going to be is very different. Um, like the recent live-action Spider-Man with uh, Tom Holland is vastly different uh, to the Spider-Man of the 60s um, that had like goofy rope as the spider webs, webs and all that. Um, but they're both Spider-Man and they're both kind of fun, right? They're both different. And I think this this movie... Um, works because Spider-Man has always been a superhero that was able to be very self-expressive and different. Um, I could not see a movie like this with somebody like Thor because Thor is so one note (laughs) in a way. Um, We do see something similar like this or we have seen something similar like this and you, you brought it up in Loki where we also have uh, moments where we have very different Lokis from Tom um, Hiddleston, like to, to female Loki, to a crocodile Loki, to like whatever, right? And uh, But that that's kind of fun because it's just a big tale of evolution in a way. And it's like, you know, uh, perhaps work differently, but... Um, the result is always kind of the same, so it's kind of this weird like predetermination thing that's that's going through there as well. Um, but yeah, I think we we have a movie here that nailed it in so many forms. It's it's not only the music, it's not only yet another Star- Spider-Man origin story, and we've had so many of these in the last like twenty years. Um, but it's still fresh. And the reason why it's fresh is um, it's animated for one, but it's animated exceptionally well. And uh, like I said, the the kind of grounding in music and, and just kind of giving it some time to breathe and communicate through, through music and the emotion that you get from it and the story that the music tells uh, makes it very different. Music is not... Um, just a tool here but it's almost like a character in itself and uh, that's what really made this movie very different and fantastic and yeah that's what i'm saying watch this movie it's great you're on mute seems like everybody's on mute today uh <laughs> What other points do I want to bring up on this? I, I do I do think that, you know, I think that I've, t- I've talked on the point about the inconsistencies in the plot points. I felt like the music, the soundtrack was so good that it kind of distracted from the film. Um, I felt also, um, you know, it's, it's a different universe, so you can't really use this as a qualm. I felt like his story got resolved very quickly he grew up very quickly. Um, was it deserved? You can argue that it was deserved, but I, I felt like we needed more time, like, 
to for him to get to the point where uh, you know his power felt resolved um and he was able to do everything he did at the end which was fight kingpin uh and survive that punch um and kick the other spider-man out of his universe i mean we saw all of that happen and then at the very end of the film you know what do you call it he um he gets kicked uh he gets he's flying away from his dad he's flying into the through the buildings and he he misses a step so it's like you've gone from expert to non-expert um and one of the things that really bothered me was the venom punch thing that peter parker said in this in his college room when he was going to take the the drive and he says do you, do you disappear right now disappear and um and he couldn't do it so do a venom punch and i was like nobody has called this a venom punch he has never done it throughout this film why did you call it a venom punch it's not been established that it was a venom punch in this in this film he has never done it <clears throat> and the first time he did it was when he touched um kingpin on the shoulder and said hey so why is it called a venom punch um, as somebody who's just, you know, enjoyed the Spider-Man games, it, it felt a little bit out of place for that scene to happen. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's the other thing. I mean, that one really got to me because I was like, okay, if I was looking for a flaw, that's a, a big point. It's a big flaw. He's never done, he doesn't even have a spider costume. He doesn't know how to do any of his powers. Why would you call it a Venom Punch, the official name? of Miles Morales' power. Um, all right, so that's all I have. All right, all right. Should we go over to the sidebar? Yeah. The sidebar. <laughs> Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chamber. Stop Beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. All right, well, we're here. Sidebar. <laughs> Grab a cup of coffee, cocoa, sit down, and let's talk some more. Let's talk some Spider-Man. <laughs> all right. First of all, we're going to start with the most obvious thing. I, I, I was really stretching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nitpick Central right here. Yeah. I mean, the, the Venom Punch one really got to me, though. I mean, it wasn't like he was going to destroy the film. It was just one of those technicalities that you're like, come on. Someone should have caught that. Yeah, you know. I think. I think the problem, though, there is that if you're not super familiar with the game, then that just goes over your head, right? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> but I am familiar with the game, and yeah. I I am aware of, you know, Miles Morales' powers. I mean, it's Venom punching the cartoons in the comics, too, and all of that stuff, so it's... It's uh, it's interesting. The thing that is quite that I'm curious about is they're all different. All mm-hmm. the Spider Mans are different. They're all different. Why is Miles Morales special? I didn't I didn't get that part. Um, is it because he's black, Hispanic? I couldn't quite tell. We have an Asian Spider Man. We have a black and white Spider Man. We have a ham Spider Man. Um. I guess we find out in the second film why he is special. Um, but I don't think this movie did a good job of making it clear uh, what, you know, why why he was special. But other than that, this was a really good film. Um, 
I, I, the, the soundtrack is very, very good. Um, and you know, the funny thing about it is the second movie has a really good soundtrack, but the soundtrack of the second one doesn't feel as overwhelmingly good as this one too, you know? So I felt like the soundtrack in this one was so good that every single time the music comes on, I just felt like, okay, well, we're being transported into the music in this one, you know, more than I felt in the second one. Anyway, I'm going to let you take this. Yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed in the second one, actually. Like, okay. I think the second one did too much, and it was too in your face in a way. And it, mm-hmm. it took that, it took that multiverse thing, and um, that felt more fan servicey than anything because there you had so many <coughs> of, of different um, Spider-Man incarnations. So, uh, and it felt super long, it, it, super long, and there's a second movie. Uh, or a third movie, technically, right? Uh, to to close out that story, so it's it's like, can we focus on telling a story in three hours, three and a half hours or less? Uh, apparently not. But uh, this one, I think it it doesn't really matter like why Miles Morales is special. I think um, this is a great case of of just representation matters and is important. Uh, especially if if it's so grounded and so um, true and real feeling, it's not just um, you know, it's it's not just I don't know, like a, a queer character that's like flamboyant, you know, like a caricature. It's just this kid, and um, happens to be black and Hispanic, um, but. It's it's important to also tell these stories and not just to accept that Spider Man is traditionally this white dude. I think right, and and it's it's fantastic that we see different incarnations in like the pig and uh, the the black and white noir Nick Cage version, which is hilarious, um, and uh, Gwen Stacy. And it's great because it's like the the framework of the Spider-Man story is so universal that it doesn't matter who's executing on, on it. And the more we can tell the story through different lenses, the, the more interesting it is, I think, because you can, you can find more nuances and more um, compelling stories that you can tell with, with these different kind of approaches. So, uh, Again, I think this movie did it really well, and uh, it's it's kind of a tough act to follow. Um, like I said, the second one was kind of overdoing it for me. Um, I do find it interesting that there's three directors on this. Like, I really wonder how that works. But it did, for some reason. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. I think the three directors thing has to do with the complications of doing animation. Um, the amount of work that you have to do. So the movie is divided into three parts and somebody okay. deals with the beginning, somebody deals with the middle and somebody deals with the end. Um, and then they have a showrunner who makes sure that the whole thing comes together as one good film. Hmm. So I think, I mean, even the second one had one showrunner and multiple directors too. Okay. It it, it does have some really, really beautiful visuals. Yeah. Um, I think... Go, ahead. go on, sorry. 
no no like um like at the end when he's like upside down or like we see it upside down but he jumps into the skyscraper void not void but you know like in the crevasse of skyscrapers mm-hmm. right but it's kind of upside down like beautiful right it's just it i guess it does has is it does have the video game vibe here and there too with the music as kind of a um backdrop backdrop but also kind of as a, a transition piece from like one story beat to another like when he goes home from home to school like we have quite a big sequence of just kind of hanging out listening to music um so it, it does have that video game vibe but it's it's one of the rare moments where it works on film mm. what are you gonna say i was gonna say um the you know the interesting thing about this is i, I was re-watching this after watching the second film um, and I think that it's quite interesting to rewatch this because it shows. I mean, I remember when I watched this one, I, I I was so impressed by how you know great the animation was and all of that stuff. And then I watched the second one, and I felt like it was a rehash of the first one. Mm-hmm. But then I watched the first one again, and I saw all the improvements they made into the second one. It's like it's the very subtle improvements in the second one that you wouldn't have anticipated. But I was watching the second one, um, and I kind of appreciated the amount of work they put into the animation. Um, I would never have been able to tell if I hadn't watched the second one, uh, the first one, that the animation had improved so much. So I will, I will say that this one acted like a bit of a retrospective because it's no longer living in my periphery. It's no longer living in this nostalgia. When I got to watch this one, I felt, okay, yeah, the animation in part two was better. Was the story better? I think, you know, this was one of the conversations that I had after I watched the film. I feel it's very difficult to compare a story when it's directly a continuation of the first one. Did I enjoy the first one more? Not necessarily. Hmm. Did I enjoy the second one more? Not necessarily. I think that the second one is very interesting in the sense that I wasn't mad that the movie ended in a cliffhanger. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird scenario because generally when I see films that end on a cliffhanger, I go, Ben, you know, why don't you just finish the film? It's very weird. But it felt like the end was when he went home and the beginning of the third film was where the movie ended. So it was like a totally different story starting. So I'm now excited to see where the third film goes. And I think the uh, you know the plot point that he brings to light are some things that are very, very interesting. Like, what if you were born in a different environment? Does that make you a different person? You know, questions like that are the kind of questions that that third film is going to try to answer. And I thought that the second film had more complex conversations than this one. And this one just felt much uh, like a feel-good. You can be Spider-Man. Anybody can be Spider-Man. The second one was much more, was much stronger. So, and there is value to simplicity. Um, so, I, I, I like the two of them equally, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, that's that's all good. Like I said, I, I just felt like the second one was way too long for something that's just... Um, you know, kind of a setup for the mm. for the finale. Like, 
I think I appreciate the fact that Hollywood is finally giving animation their its due. Because typically what they would do is like they would try to fit they'll try to wrap up an animation from moving about ninety to um ninety to a hundred minutes, get everything through. But this one was quite long. It was more than two hours long. Yeah. Um and the movie didn't wrap up. So I think that they are realizing that, you know, adults want to watch cartoons too. And if you make adults uh cartoons, then people will come to the theater to watch. So I, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the length. And I, I think that you needed time for that movie to breathe, um, which is something that this movie didn't have. I wish it was a little bit longer because, like I said, the resolution time was very short. He goes from his, um, from Aunt May's house. Um, uh, he goes from the death of his uncle to Aunt May's house. And then all of a sudden, he has the ability to jump off buildings. Everything that he's uh, feared, he's let go. I, I felt like that period was too short. And I felt like the realization time in the second one was mm-hmm. just brilliant. Um, so I think this movie should have been longer. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, it's very weird. It's a very, especially given the fact that we've done a number of films in this period uh, where we're saying the length of the film is too long. This is one of the ones that I'm like, you know, you could have gone a little bit longer, 20 minutes longer, spread things out, let it breathe, uh, and you could have gotten a masterpiece. I mean, they still have a masterpiece. Yeah. I felt like, you know, you could have, they could have gotten a little bit more. Well, you're in luck because if you have the Blu ray, there's an alternate universe cut that's really. Yeah, that's like 25 minutes longer. Oh, I heard about that. I I, I think they even played it in the, in the movie theater too. Hmm. They had a. I probably will will have to go and figure that out. Get it an apple. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, um, we we've been talking a lot about second movies and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is fitting because now you know what the next movie is. The second film. Off. Across the Alien. <laughs> no. Oh wow. Okay. So we're talking about aliens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> All right, aliens. I, you know, this is your favorite franchise, so it's gonna be interesting to to alienate you on that. Oh, nice, nice. I can appreciate it. Yes. Um, very true. I think that's the last alien movie on on the list, though, because after that, it. Uh, also it gets interesting. For the franchise. <laughs> yeah. Did you but, like Prometheus, by the way? Curious. Ooh, Prometheus was rough. Okay. So yeah, this is a uh, this is a uh, this is your last fa- last of your favorites. Yep, yep. A very different film from Alien, so it'll be interesting to talk about that one. Also, long movie, two hours seventeen. Mm. So, <laughs> my curiosity is at the end of it. Am I going to say it should have been shorter? <laughs> probably <laughs> but um, anyway until then though where can people find us um, you can find us on Xcrement uh, you can find uh, Xcrement on X on Twitter uh, or on Instagram um, at Movie Mistrial or you can send us an email at contact at moviemistrial.com until then stay safe have a wonderful day ciao everyone <laughs>